I'll give another example. Like I remember in one of my roles, I thought I was smashing it. I thought I was killing it. And then when it came to my year end, I got bang average. And I was so upset. You got to think of your role. Make sure you're doing a good job, number one. Then you can start focusing on other areas to build up your portfolio in terms of interest, but also your own personal development. And I'll put these two buckets as... Hey, what's happening? Welcome back to another episode of The Shortest Path. So today, we're gonna do things a little bit differently. You know, as you can see, it's just me by myself. So I've got a couple of questions um, that have been sent over to me from some of our listeners. Um, thank you, thank you very much for sending those in. And if you have any other questions, please send those through as well. And also I wanna share some of my reflections after, you know, hitting 10 episodes and you know, what I've learned so far this year. So what should I start with? Um, I'll start with my lessons, I'll start with my lessons. So as I said, we've hit 10 episodes. And if I had some confetti or a party popper, I'll be popping out right now, but I'm gonna keep that for the next time. You know, the reason why I'm so happy about it is because this podcast has been something that I've been speaking about. And everyone around me probably just got a bit sick and tired of me talking about this podcast and not actually doing it. Um, but yeah, just a tap on my back for myself because I'm happy that we actually got it out there. And um, I've been able to have amazing conversations with people that I've connected with for the first time or people that I haven't connected with for a long time. And some of the insights that have come out from that has been important. And I think one of the first kind of lessons that I learned this year was around consistency. And um, that was through watching a video of David Goggins, who's now become my new GOAT, right? And um, one of the key things that he always says is that regardless of where you are in life, the key thing is just to start and to be consistent. And the first area in my life where I tried to put that into play was the gym. And the gym is something which, by my side, you think that I'm in there religiously, which now is the case, but before that was never the case because I just found it boring, you know, like pumping the same weights is just dead. I'd rather do classes, which is what I do. But for me is that I'll do these classes and I'll start having some progress and then I'll stop. And then I'll stop for maybe a while and then we just keep on repeating that process again and again and again. But this year, what he was saying was just resonating where you know, just be consistent and just be disciplined. And I see that those two things are a major factor for success for people in their lives. And for me, what that meant was just going and doing 35, 30 minutes of activity every single day, whether there is going to the gym, doing yoga, going to a class, it didn't really matter as long as I remained consistent with that. Now, my earlier target was to do 90 days, and I'm happy to say that I've done 130 days, right? Before life just got in the way a little bit. But now I'm jumping back on it. And um, for me, it was just a great experiment of how much you can do when it comes to consistency. So I lost a lot of weight, I lost a lot of fat, and I was able to get good definition with my body, and I just felt much more healthier overall. Um, now for the second half of the year, I'm thinking of what next challenge I might do still related towards this because I like, I like working towards something. So I've done Tough Mudder, I've done Spartan. So I want to do Mount Kilimanjaro. Maybe that'll be next year or something like that. Or on top of that, maybe just a simple bike ride from London to Brighton. So watch this space. And if you're interested, just let me know. Maybe we can do it together. Another lesson that I learned as well was about being creative and pursuing those elements without wondering when money is going to come into this. And this is um, some of the lessons that came through from Peju and also from AJ, whereby 
Don't put pressure on yourself to be creative. Don't put pressure on yourself to get everything right. As someone who works in the financial industry, all I know, all I considered to know was like, what is the right answer? But what I've learned in this creative world is that there's no such thing as a right answer. It's what you yourself deem to be right. So with the editing of these podcast videos, I've been doing them. So if they've been a bit haphazard at times, I apologize, but it's me just learning, right? And it's about getting away from expecting things to be perfect, but, think, but just wanting things to just be good enough. And good enough for you to say, okay, I've done my best, let's move on. Because over time, you will improve and you will get better at this. Um, it kind of reminds me when I started doing a little bit of like graphic designing, for example. So I got on this website and I just told it to give me a new activity or new task every single time. So for example, one day it might be design a flyer for a, um, for a German law firm. <clears throat> Another day it might be design a flyer for a startup based in South Africa. It didn't really matter. And then you're getting in the process of getting these weird and random prompts and figuring out how to do it. And this is how I learned how to use Photoshop and also Illustrator. Um, whereas if I was just learning it for the sake of learning it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to know how to use those programs. And now they become very, very, very handy for me. And then also, like I said, um, I mentioned before, like when I used to be a dancer and being able to freestyle was probably one of the areas where I just felt uncomfortable because when you're not the first person, but you're last and everybody has taken your moves, what do you do, right? You've got to figure out on the fly. And sometimes rather than me thinking about, okay, what new moves can I make up just there and then? I'm thinking of, oh, this person stole my move. But really it doesn't matter. It's about what kind of spin you can put on things. Another thing is about being clear on what you want and doing an exercise and working backwards from that. So when I say that, I mean, don't be someone who always just goes with the flow. Today, you might be, say, 25 years old, 30 years old, 35 years, years old, and you might have a picture of where you thought you would be at this age. Now, don't be too tied up to the reality. Think about where you want to be in five years or 10 years from now and start working backwards from there. So in order to do that, you have to be clear about the things that you do want and the things that you don't want. And sometimes if you're very open-minded, it's easy for you to just go with the flow and just like take things as they are. But you have to ask yourself, what do I want? Because if you don't speak up for yourself, then don't be upset if things don't go your way kind of thing, right? So do an exercise, try and find out what your values are and be audacious, like be, be crazy with your dreams because at the end of the day, there's no one stopping you from dreaming big other than yourself. When it comes to putting it into reality, trust in your ability to figure it out. Cool. I think that's all my lessons for now, um, but let's see. Now, with a couple of questions that I've got through, so I've got four questions. <clears throat> so the first one is from CB, and he says, I have a 12-month plan to grow my side hustle with a view to leave my nine-to-five to focus on my business next year. I have been tentatively offered a promotion at work, which would pay me more money, but one, the demands of the role will make it harder for me to work in my business at the same time. And number two, I won't enjoy the role as much as my current role. What should I do? This is a good question because essentially, CB is in a predicament where he's got 12 months of when he thinks he's gonna leave and an opportunity has come about with him. Should he take it or should he not take it? And this goes back to what my point was before around knowing what you want, right? And so, 
the first question is like, okay, with this role, you say that you're gonna, you say that you're not gonna enjoy it. Let me see. Yeah, you won't enjoy this role as much as you can, but are there gonna be any key takeaways that you can leverage for your next business? That's one question I would ask you. Does it put you in a better position or not? Secondly, because this is a promotion, you should get more money. And I always say that when you're deciding to quit your job to do a business or to freelance or to anything like that, one of your superpowers is, is gonna be able to have enough money in your bank account because then you can focus on driving value rather than driving work just for the sole aim of economic purposes. And sometimes when you aim at the value, you can end, you can end up with a much more longer-term perspective of what you can achieve, right? So I'd say look at it that way. Like, can you accelerate the amount of savings that you can earn? Um, and does that then mean that rather than 12 months, you might be able to leave at six months, right? Um, another thing is like, what type of business are you trying to do? Does that link back to your business? I mean, does it link back to the work that you're doing or does it not? And with this promotion, are you gonna have people working for you? If you do, then you'll be able to leverage them or in fact, develop them as it were to help you with some of your workflows. So although it might mean spending a lot more time managing people, that's a key skill. And if you haven't managed people before, it's gonna be crazy valuable when you decide to run your own business and you have to lead the team in itself, right? And yeah, another question as well with the business, like you've been working on it, but where are you right now? Um, have you made any clients yet? Are you making any money? Are you delivering any content? What stage of the business are you in? Because if you're still in the ideation phase, then you're still in an early, 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 early bit, right? If you actually have clients, then the question is a little bit different in terms of how you can manage your time. But that's something you can have a conversation with your clients with about what days you can speak to them, what days you might be out, and so on and so forth. So it's about just putting the right systems in place, being clear on what you want, and does this job actually put you in a much better position rather than staying in your current role as well. Second question um, from Derek. He says, I currently work in finance, but find it so boring. I don't like my, I don't, I don't feel like my personality suits to be in back office. So I want to try and be more frontline. What is available to me and how, I can, how can I transition to it? Excellent, excellent, excellent question. So I started off my career in finance and um, one of the things that is quite, challenging, especially if you are a personal person, is that you're stuck in front of your computer all day. You don't really have much interface in terms of meetings um, where you're delivering value. Most of the time you might just be reporting on numbers. And so 100% I feel you when you say it can be a bit demoralizing and doesn't necessarily fit your personality. Now, another key problem with some of these middle and back office roles is that you're not able to tangibly see the value that you're driving. As you can see, I'm very, very cognizant of like value, value, value. So what I mean by that is that if you work in sales, you can see that the work that you do directly delivers value to the bottom line. When you work in finance and all you're doing is reporting numbers, yes, you're helping the CEO, the MDs or the other people in the teams know where they stand, but it's less, you're less able to see what value they're driven. So I'll give another example, like I remember in one of my roles, um, I thought I was smashing it. I thought I was killing it, yeah? And then when it came to my year end, I got bang average and I was so upset. And it was because of that whole element of not being cognizant of what value that you're driving, right? So I think in your situation, you got to think of like your role as like this, this box, yeah, this box. Make sure you're doing a good job, number one, right? So 
depending on if you're doing reporting, if you're doing any type of accounting, if you're doing any type of analysis, make sure you're doing the basics right. Then you can start focusing on other areas to kind of build out your portfolio in terms of interest, but also your own personal development. And I'll put these two buckets as indirect and direct. So if we start with indirect, these could be things of how can you become that guy within your team, whether that is finding special speakers to come and speak to everybody else, whether that is organizing social events, whether that is being part of any particular networks within your, within your company, this will enable you to kind of shine and showcase your different type of personality, whether it is more of a relationship building person or um, yeah, more of a relationship building person and you can show that side of yourself. These are the opportunities for you to do that. From a direct perspective, then it's about seeing, okay, what interesting projects could you get involved in? Um, as I said, if it's reporting, are there any types of analysis that you can do that would help drive extra value for your business partners? Are there any reports that are based on what's happening outside of your company that can, again, deliver insights to people within your company? Um, for an example, um, one guy who used to work for me, he set up these investor relation um, emails and his list grew from just like say five people to nearly over 500 people in the space of say three to six months and people didn't know who he was but they knew him from his news newsletter and that enabled him to gain this kind of brand of someone who is very commercially aware commercially astute is knowing how what is happening in the world is impacting the company today and that again helps him kind of stand above all of his peers when it comes to year-end and ratings so Think about that, what you can do there. Another thing you can do is like, what else can you do outside of work? So if you have friends who run a business or work in a charity sector, whatever it may be, help them. See how you can leverage your skills with what they're doing. And don't just be that person who just talks and say, you should do this, you should do this, you shouldn't do this, blah, 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 blah. Be someone who can actually do, right? So roll up your sleeves and actually get involved. So for example, if you're in finance, what's their bookkeeping like? Can you get involved in that? That will give you another insight in terms of how their business works and where, again, you can drive value. And when you're applying for jobs in the future, you can showcase this whole plethora of things that you've been involved in and can essentially give you the leg up against your peers. Um, another thing is like volunteering as well. Like, are there any interests that are there outside of work? Think about that, go to meetup events, um, and just make sure people know what you're aware of, what you're doing as well. Because if people don't, if people aren't aware of what you're doing, then you can't be upset if no one brings you in on certain opportunities, right? Um, cool. Next question from Jay. How much money do I need to save before trying to do my business full time? This one is like, how long is a piece of string, right? Um, you kind of have to think about different factors such as the deadline, so when you want to leave, um, how much money you're making, um, why you want to leave, all these things are quite important. But let's just say you have a deadline in mind. So for me personally, I had like 18 months deadline in mind and I had to work backwards. I had to work backwards by saying, okay, if I want to leave at 18 months, this is how much you need to save every single month. But how did I figure that out? It's about going literally into your account and understanding how much you're spending on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, right? So 
with this financial plan, and as you're looking at your numbers, look at your budget into three buckets, right? So you've got your essentials. These are the things that are non-negotiable. Your rent, your food, your travel. Then you have your important that can be replaced. So leveraging on what I just said, so travel, for example, if you have a travel card that you're spending, can you substitute that for cycling, for example? Or if you shop a lot of the time at Waitrose, can you go to Audi, you know? So those are little things that, that you think are important but can be replaced in some way. Then you have your discretionary spending. So this is your going out, this is your holidays, this is your, um, I don't know, like shopping and so on and so forth. But obviously don't go too crazy. The main thing is balance. But when you have these buckets, you have a realistic picture of how much you can save. And then if you plot that against your deadline or your timeline of 18 months, does that make sense? How much runway does it give you? Because I feel like if you're gonna quit and go for something full time, the sweet spot is gonna be like 12 months, six to 12 months where you can fully dedicate yourself to whatever you're working on, trying to make money and not worry about how you're gonna pay your bills, right? Because you have to think about it. If you um, quit your job tomorrow, you're trying to do a business, but if you've only got, say, three months worth of saving, it might take another three months for you to get a job. So working out backwards, if you start panicking at, say, month two, you're not giving yourself the extra bit of month of really trying hard in your business because you're already looking for your next job. So you kind of have to balance these different elements together. So think of it that way. Like I knew for me, for example, I had like 18 months and Funny enough, I had that target in place to leave in like May 2019. Um, what I was gonna do, it actually didn't happen in the sense of like what I was gonna go and quit my job to do, it wasn't gonna happen anymore, but I still made that, that promise to myself that I'm gonna do it. And then thankfully, the opportunity came about to join Entrepreneur First, um, which actually accelerated my timeline because then I had to leave by March, April. So I didn't have as much money as I wanted to save, but a few things came into my favor. So for example, Entrepreneur First, the fact that they give you a stipend, that's quite helpful. Um, also randomly, when I was walking in Oxford Circus, um, I was walking to John Lewis and some woman was playing, messing around with her bike and I looked at it, but I was like, let me just keep walking. Then she looked at me and she's like, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. And I said, what's the problem? She said, do you shave your armpits? And I said, yes. She said, Oh, brilliant. Would you be interested in modeling? I was like, okay, cool. So then turns out that she was a scouter for Dove and um, she took some photos of me, didn't think any of it, anything of it. Couple of weeks later, I'm doing one of these real people adverts for Dove and then that's paid a sizable sum as well. Um, don't ask me where the pictures are because I'm still wondering to this day, but these are little things in terms of luck and timing that can happen and work in your favor. So if it's meant to be for when you're meant to leave, Things would just happen how they're meant to happen, I'd say. Cool. Um, another question, so this is from Chloe, about do I need a co-founder? I need a bit more there. It's a bit, it's a bit, bit of a broad question, but um, it essentially depends. Um, one of the key frameworks that I like to leverage is also from Entrepreneur First Court, but also called EF, where you have someone who's a builder, a talker, um, someone who has a... Edge as a catalyst, can make things happen, um, a salesperson, someone who has some domain knowledge in a particular area that we can leverage. 
And I think it just depends at what stage you're in. Like, do you have an idea? Do you have a business? What is the, what is your, say, edge? What is your core competence? And what do you feel is missing? If it's a technical person that's missing, there's a lot of tools that are, that are, available, that are available. So you can try and see what you can whip up yourself. Otherwise, look at what other programs are out there that can help you find the right co-founder that you need. So whether that is EF, Antler, um, Zinc. Another option is, can you get any pre-sales for the product that you're trying to make and therefore hire the type of people that you need or can you learn on the job? Um, if it's on the other side where you're, built, where, where you're a builder and you want to get someone to help you with sales or maybe you just need someone to help motivate you, there's a whole host of different groups like peer networks where you can connect with other entrepreneurs and essentially gain insight into some of the areas that you may be, um, that you may be lacking on. So options are there, like I'll need a bit more juice to answer this properly, but again, essentially it's just about where are you right now? A co-founder will definitely 100% help you go faster and also helps from a accountability, accountability perspective. Um, I've been blessed to work with like some amazing people before in the past and currently now with Paul. And when you have the right co-founder, it will literally keep pushing you and driving you to want to get to the next level. And it also will call you out on your bullshit as well. So they play a nice yin and yang. When you're a solo founder, the benefit, I mean, if you listen to Graham's um, episode is that you can focus solely on your own vision and what you want goes. But it can also be quite demoralizing. So you have to figure out what essentially works well for you and um, take it from there, I guess. So yeah, so that's all the questions I had, but please do send in some more, more questions. Um, let me know if you like this, let me know if you didn't like this, and we can see if we can do it again or scrap it again. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You know, I haven't said that before, but please do. It really, really helps. So until then, I'll speak to you later. Peace.